Post and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Call us right now with your home improvement question. Call us right now with your do-it-yourself dilemma. Call us right now if you've ever had a power failure and be left in the dark. Because that's actually what happened to us just before we went on the air this hour. And I'm going to tell you right now that I'm glad to have the Generac standby (laughs) generator in our studio, Leslie. Yeah, you are so lucky to have purchased that because otherwise we would have no money pit for you. But here we are, courtesy of Generac. We want to thank them for being there when we need them. And we are here to help you when you need it with your home improvement projects. Coming up this hour, we're going to give you some tips on space heaters. You know, they're a great way to keep certain areas of your home warm and cut down on energy use, but safety is a must. We're going to have some very important step-by-step space heater safety instructions to give you in just a bit. And while we are talking about the subject of all things electrical and safety, have you ever wondered why outlets are all the way down near the floor, you know, where your kids who are crawling around can easily get at them, but we as adults have to bend and twist and reach just to get to them? Well, you can change all that, and we're going to tell you how. And also stopping by this hour, our friend Norb Abram is going to be here to tell us about a few of his favorite things from the long-running TV show, The New Yankee Workshop. You got some tough Woodworking questions, Norm's the guy to ask them to. He'll be here in just a bit. And to keep you warm, we're giving away an eco-friendly blanket that's going to keep you nice and toasty on a cold and long winter's night. It's from Yumi and Lori. Yeah, the blanket is woven from organic cotton and bamboo fiber, so it's a very, very green product. It's worth almost 200 bucks. Going to go to one caller who reaches us at one eight 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 money bit Let's get right to those phones. Leslie, who's first? Pam in Michigan has a question about heating. How can we help you stay warm and toasty? Um, I have a manufactured home, and it's about 14 years old, and uh, I put it on some private property, you know, with crawl space and all. Um, my question is, this home, this type of home has a heating tube. I don't know if I, that's proper terminology for it or not, but it, it, to me it resembles a flexible pipe like a dryer vent pipe, Okay. But it goes the whole length of the house, and then it branches off to all the little floor registers. Right. And my question is, would I save any money? Um, would it be more efficient if I converted that over to regular duct work? No, not not at all. You're talking about flex duct, and that's actually very common, especially in a manufactured home. If you want to uh-huh. look for ways to save money, um, go back to basics here, Pam. Make sure you have at least 19 inches of fiberglass insulation in your attic space. Make sure you have insulation in the crawl space. You know, take a look at the weather stripping, things like that. That's going to be the best way to cut on energy costs. The duct system, as long as it's properly installed, should be fine. Oh, okay. All right. Very good. All right, Pam. Good luck with that project. Thank you. Bye now. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Joseph in Florida's got a leaky fridge. Tell us about the problem. Well, uh, what it is is I got a refrigerator that's had uh, some leaking in the corner by the freezer part, and it's been draining out. And the uh, last time it happened is a couple months ago, and I sealed it up. I put some uh, potting compound and stuff in the inside, the interior of it, where I was thinking ice was draining out through the uh, underneath the, from the freezer. Well, we did that, and it lasted fine. So well, it happened a couple, about a week ago again, it started leaking again. So now we're watching this build up more and more leak, and it comes comes and goes every once in a while. So I'm thinking it's from the water freezing, expanding up the joints, and it starts to get outside the freezer area, and it starts to melt and cause the liquid to mm. drain. Uh, what kind of freezer is this? Is this a top top bottom freezer? You know, it's a stand up freezer. It's a yeah, with the refrigerator electric. on the bottom, freezer on top. 
No, the refrigerator on the right side and the freezer on the, on the left okay. side. Okay. And only the left side, only the freezer side is leaking? Right, in the, in the bottom corner. The bottom corner. And I thought... Yeah, and I checked for if it was do you have water? Do you have water in the door? Yes, it water feeds it. Right. Hey, Joe, how old is this refrigerator? It's about eight years old. Yep. Well, it's probably self-defrosting, and the self-defrosting refrigerators usually get rid of the water that's accumulated during the defrost cycle uh, via a drain tube that dumps it into a pan that's at the bottom of the refrigerator. Now, if that tube gets clogged or gets obstructed the water can back up and then it can leak and show it up exactly as you've described it. So well, you think I, check that tube. I would check that tube and make sure it's not obstructed because that's why it seems to happen sort of erratically because it, it waits for the cycle, the water builds up, then you find it, you go looking for it, you know, it dries up, goes away, uh, and then it happens again because it probably only happens when it runs through the defrost cycle. So I would look for that tube and unclog it and that should solve the problem. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Pick up the phone and give us a call. We want to help you get your project done. We are available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, space heaters. They can be pretty dangerous. Can you use them safely? Well, you sure can. We're going to tell you exactly what you need to know next. Money Pit. Helping you build big dreams. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And you should be part of the Money Pit. So pick up the phone and give us a call. Let us know what you are working on. If you ask us a question on the air, we're going to put your name in the Money Pit hard hat. And you've got a chance to win a great prize, especially for this chilly, wintry time of year. We're giving away a warm, plush, and eco-friendly blanket from our friends over at Yumi and Lori. Now, the blanket, it's made of 100% organic and sustainable cotton and bamboo bamboo fibers and being that it's all green it's totally antimicrobial and it's machine washable the prize is worth 195 bucks so call us now if you want to be toasty at 1-888-MONEYPIT 888-666-3974 well if you have a chilly room in your house you may have been tempted to turn to a space heater it's a good idea and it can be a great way to save some money on your heating bills but you need to remember that space heaters should only be used to provide supplemental heat not the heat for the entire house a couple of things to keep in mind is that you don't want to first use a space heater to warm bedding to cook food to thaw pipes or to dry your clothing because that clothing becomes kindling and that starts to fire, fire real quick. Now, it sounds like a no-brainer, but believe us, it happens all the time. Also, make sure to choose heating equipment that has the UL mark. Now, the UL mark on a product means that the underwriter, laboratory's technical staff have tested samples of the product to make sure that it is safe. And those guys really know what they're doing, and they really put those heaters through their safety tests. Yeah, and you also want to keep in mind that there's a three-foot safety zone rule. Remember, three foot. You want to keep things that can burn at least three feet away from space heaters. And if you've got kids and pets at home, you want to make sure that you supervise those little ones, even your four-legged friends, at all times when you've got your space heater going, because everyone that's, you know, crawling around on the floor could very easily get burned. You know, even with the slightest contact of that heating coil, you, you would think it wouldn't cause a severe burn, but it can. So just be cautious. 
And remember, when you're buying your space heater, you want to look for devices that feature an automatic shutoff because you never know. You could accidentally walk away, forget it's on, and then hours later, you've got a fire. And you also want to make sure that there's heating element guards on your space heater. So just buy wisely and use them safely. For more space heater tips, including a buying guide to purchasing safe heaters, you can sign up for our Money Pit e-newsletter. It's free. It comes to your inbox every Friday, available right now at moneypit.com. And we are available right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Let's get back to the phones. Wendy and Virginia need some help with a painting project. What can we do for you today? Um, yes, I have a bathroom that is hideous bright orange. Okay. Hideous? Is that what it said on the paint can label? Hideous bright orange? <laughs> no, I don't believe it did. <laughs> but anyway, it's it's this very, very bright orange, and it's a high-gloss paint, and it's um, a sheetrock wall. Okay. And there's lumps and bumps in the sheetrock, so the high-gloss paint and everything all lumps Shows it all. I was wondering what I can do to get rid of this. Do I have to sand it all down and then paint over it? Or is there some kind of primer or something I can put on to... You've got all of the right ideas, Wendy. You just sort of need to put it together. What you need to do is because you're dealing with a surface that's kind of uneven and you're dealing with a high-gloss paint, you do want to give the entire room a light sanding and then make sure with a damp rag you just go in and wipe away all the dust on the walls. And it's not a huge undertaking, but it is going to help you prep that surface to take the paint and really help it adhere. Then because it's a bathroom, you want to go with an oil-based primer and prime that entire room, the ceiling, and let that dry really, really well. And then once that's dry, you can take a latex paint and use that latex paint as your top coat. And because it's a bath, you generally want to go with something that has some sort of a sheen just because of all the moisture that does accumulate in a bathroom. But because your walls are a little bit uneven, I would go with the least amount of sheen that you can, you know, maybe like a satin or or a pearl, whatever the manufacturer is calling that one notch above mat, and choose something that's scrubbable and that's really durable for the bath. But stay away from the super glossy stuff, because otherwise you'll be able to see all of that crazy difference in, in the wall. Okay. Okay, and this time don't choose safety orange. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> As it is, when people come to visit us, we tell them, put your sunglasses on when they have <laughs> I mean, it is that bright. <laughs> all right, Wendy. Well, that'll that'll help tone it all down. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Howard in New York needs some help with a cinder block situation. Tell us what's going on. Yeah, basically, my house is um, was built in nineteen fifty, and I have a cinder block foundation. Mm-hmm. Okay. And a couple of the cinder blocks, the, the face of it just started crumbling. I found it on a washer, uh, the dryer down there last week. And it's not all the way through, it's just part of it. And the people that had it before, we painted the wall, so there's some kind of paint on there. But it's not all the cinder blocks, it's just the scattered few. I have no uh, leaks in the basement or anything. So I was wondering if it's something I can patch that up with and then maybe paint over it. And Howard, the uh, what you're calling the deterioration, does it kind of look like a white crusty material? Uh, no, it's like the whole cinder block itself. It just crumpled and just fell off. All right, so okay. this is physically deteriorated. Okay, so if we've got to do a repair here, you're going to have to do this in a couple of steps. First of all, you've got to remove the old paint. Now, you could just wire brush that and get it down to the block because you can't put any kind of repair material over paint that's not adhered to the block wall because it just won't stick. Right. And then secondly, you're going to use an epoxy patching compound. You can't use more mortar or concrete. You have to use an epoxy patch. 
And that you can trowel on and, and float out so it's nice and flat. And when you're all done uh, on all those spots, then you can repaint the wall and you won't even know it's there. Okay. It's only in a few spots, and we have no water down the basement or anything. It's yeah, it doesn't sound too serious. Um, you know, you you may be getting some spalling, a little bit of that concrete. If it's only in a few spots, but uh, it would be pretty much a cosmetic job just to fix it up. Great, I appreciate that. You're welcome, Howard. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Eddie in Texas, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you? I'm calling from East Texas, where we have a lot of different weather extremes. Okay, uh, as you. As you may know, it's pretty humid here in the summertime, and we get some temperatures, you know, that are up to uh, 100 degrees plus. And in the wintertime, we actually get, you know, um, some weather that's, you know, 15, 20 degrees. So I have a pier and beam house, and I want to insulate underneath it. And I have some panels that I wondered if I could put under there, and I guess my concern is, whether it will cause me any problems with condensation. All right, what kind of panels are we talking about here, Eddie? Uh, not styrofoam, but like a foam-type insulation. Okay. Uh, and they're metal-clad metal on each side. Um, I don't think that that's going to give you a very good R-value. What I would recommend, what I would rather see you do is just use maybe a 12-inch bat of fiberglass insulation. Right. You have traditional floor joists down there? Yeah. Then you want to put them up and face fiberglass in between the floor joists. You can buy those either 16-inch bats or 24-inch bats uh, supported with insulation hangers, and that will make that floor nice and toasty. Okay, that's that's great. Yeah, that would be a much better way to go. Right. All right, well, thank you very much. You're welcome, Eddie. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Mary in California is having problem with an addition in her home. What can we help you with? Um, I have a home that we had to rebuild after a fire, and it's all insulated, and we're making the garage into a family room. Okay. And there is no heat going into the family room. How is the rest of the house heated? Uh, the rest of the house is by gas. Forced air, hot water, what kind of distributions? Okay, okay that's the fuel. What I need uh -huh. to know is whether you have ducts or radiators. Ducts. So with a forced air heating system, you have ducts that deliver warm air and cool air to its conditioned space and then return ducts that take it back. The, the problem with converting a garage is typically they have at least one, if not two, and sometimes three exterior surfaces. If, you, if it's a one-story garage and so you have the roof above and you have the door and maybe you have another exterior wall because they're almost always in the corner of a house, you have a lot of exterior surfaces there. And even though you insulate them, they need a lot of heat to overcome that space. So what you're going to have to determine is first, can I extend the duct system into the garage so I deliver enough heat to be comfortable in there? That's the first question. And if you can do that, then you have to figure out how to extend those ducts to do that. If you can't, then you have to look into zoning that, which means adding a second heating system. If you're going to zone, you're going to want to probably divide up different sections of the house so that some are on one furnace and some are on another. Now, if the family room is going to be a place that you don't use frequently, you could consider uh, a less expensive type of heat like electric baseboard or even a through-the-wall heat pump. Uh, but again, that depends on how much time you're going to spend in there. If you want it to be comfortable all the time, the best way to do that is to extend your existing central heating system. So just extend it with a uh, thing, heat going in and one going back out? Is that what yes, you said? Yes, but, but that's correct conceptually, but it's a lot easier said than done because you have to make sure that the existing heating system is big enough to do that and that you're moving enough air in and out to actually make it comfortable and warm. 
My first step would be to get in touch with my HVAC contractor and find out if it's possible to extend the existing heating system and if he or she thinks that you have enough BTUs in that system to do that. Because if you want to maintain the value in your house and you want to create a family room, let's make sure that it's just like any other space in your house that's properly designed to heat all the time. So would it be best then for the guy that, re- that built the house because it just got rebuilt from being burned? The, whoever is your HVAC contractor, that would be the person to talk to, not necessarily the builder, but whoever is servicing your systems, because it's a heat loss calculation. There's a way to actually measure how much heat that you need in that space. Mary, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit. When we come back, we're going to chat with our good friend Norm Abrams from the New Yankee Workshop, who has been at it for 20 years, and he has seen a lot of changes in the home improvement business, and he's going to share with us some of his favorite projects and help you along the way get your favorite projects done. So stick around. The Money Pit is brought to you by Thermatru, the nation's leading manufacturer of fiberglass entry and patio door systems. Choose the brand more building professionals prefer and add up to $24,000 to the perceived value of your home. For more information, visit Thermatru.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And if you are a fan of home improvement, you are no doubt a fan of our next guest. Norm Abram is the host of the New Yankee Workshop and, of course, also a cast member of This Old House. Yeah, and he has been on TV, can you believe it, for 20 years, over two decades. And the newest season returning to PBS in January is going to be called These Are a Few of Norm's Favorite Things. (laughs) (laughs) So we've got Norm Abram joining us. How exciting. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to be on with you again. So, Norm, it's been uh, two decades. Congratulations. That's correct. 20 years for the New Yankee Workshop. And it's hard to believe that it's been 20 years. I mean, when we started the show, we thought, oh, four years, 13 episodes a year. That'll give us 52 programs. And you just repeat them, right? Yeah, if we can do that, (laughs) we'll we'll feel good about that. Because, you know, woodworking is kind of evergreen. The projects hold up uh, the test of time. Let's talk about that. How, um, How have things changed over those 20 years? I mean, how has the economy of of late impacted home improvement in your view? Well, on the home improvement side, uh, everybody is feeling the pinch, certainly, with the current state of affairs. Uh, I ran into a builder today. I was actually picking up some materials today at a sort of a uh, specialty lumberyard that deals in moldings and, and, you know, cherry and all kinds of hardwoods, mm-hmm. not what you, what you would find at a typical lumberyard. And he said, he said it's, been an, it's been a strange year. He said um, people are not doing the big projects. You know, they're not planning additions. They're doing smaller jobs. They're doing upkeep maintenance that they may have been putting off for a while. Uh, he has plenty of work, at least in this area, but uh, things have uh, have slowed down on the larger jobs. But as he said, you know, he says, I've been through this cycle three or four times, and, you know, it will come back, and we'll... Uh, We'll start to build again. Uh, I know the tool, the tool people, um, many of which, uh, a couple of which are actually sponsors in the New Yankee Workshop, they were feeling the pinch a while back, and, mm. you know, they'll survive the cycle as well. They did feel that people who were attending any of the trade shows 
for the woodworking industry and and pretty much is the same with the housing industry that those people who were attending were serious and they were buying they they weren't just looking so um, I think people who normally go to look didn't show up because they kind they're of, not working they're mm-hmm. not working they, so. they can't afford the flights correct Norm, do you think this sort of this climate has created a more savvy homeowner, somebody who's more in the know about what goes into these projects or maybe learning or looking to learn more about doing the projects themselves? How do you think this affects the average homeowner? I think a little bit of both. I think per- people are certainly um, more interested in learning how to do it themselves. And, you know, we've been trying to help them do that for the last uh, 20, well, 30 years with this old house nearly. And uh, they are more savvy, I think, because of our show and and other home improvement shows that are giving them information and showing them the new materials that are available and design ideas. Um, You know, people are are getting into it themselves. Norm, do you find that you ever sort of set a difficulty rating or level when you think about projects for the New Yankee Workshop? Is there something that has ever been too difficult or do you just sort of put everything out there and know that you can teach it in a way that folks will really feel the confidence to try? Well, because our audience is varied, we really try to put a variety of skill levels necessary for the projects out there. For instance, in the upcoming season where we're going to have 21 shows from the past, actually, more like classics, uh, we're going to have 21 shows for season 21 that go back to seasons 9 and 10. And the reason we're bringing these back is because I found out, being at some of these uh, woodworking shows and so forth, that we have a a young audience coming up who has an interest in woodworking. And Mm -hmm. some of these shows they may have never even seen because they're 10 years old. But when you start looking through the list, you say, okay, there's, um, there's one which is a fireplace mantle. Now that's sort of, to me, that's a medium range project, medium skill level and we do assume that people who are interested in woodworking either have some tools or are building an inventory of tools so that they can do these projects. Um, we have one which is simply a set of serving trays, two different ones in the same show. One is very simple, made out of cherry, but it has some brass fittings mm-hmm. on it that we actually fabricated in the shop. You could probably buy those uh, in a good hardware store. And you know as what? Well. If you go on your website, you have not changed how you look. In all these <laughs> years, you look exactly the same holding that tray, you know, yeah. 10 years ago. That's because well, it's the same I'm picture. I'm a little grayer. And then we have a, like a mesquite bookcase, which was one of my favorite projects from season 10. And uh, that one was an adventure because we were in Tucson, Arizona, and we found a classic. Um, store that sold uh, reproductions as well as original antiques. And then we also got a lead on a source for this mesquite, which, as you know, most people only refer to mesquite as for barbecue? something you grow barbecue, with. Right? Yeah. I, I will never use another piece in the barbecue because it's a beautiful wood and, and it doesn't grow very quickly. And I found myself out in the middle of the desert scrounging through piles of this mesquite to build these projects. Now, in revisiting these projects, are you sort of then putting a, a modern spin or, or changing them or updating them in any way to make them a little bit more current? Well, we're not going to change any of the woodworking techniques used in the show because those still hold up very well. 
we're doing a new introduction to the show, basically explaining to people, you know, we're bringing these back because we think you'd be interested in seeing them. And when we've had the piece still available to us, we talk about it a little bit. You know, what we've thought about the project a little bit more now that it's been built and we're actually using it. So it's a little bit of an introduction that's different from the original show, but the woodworking process will be the same. And again, because these shows are 10 years old and the TV rights have pretty much expired, um, there's going to be a huge audience out there who's never seen these programs. The new Yankee Workshop returns to PBS uh, starting Saturday, January 3rd at 1 p.m. Of course, check your local listings. Norm Abrams, such a pleasure to have you on the show again. Congratulations on uh, 20 years with the new Yankee Workshop. And I think next year we're going to be congratulating you on 30 years with this old house. I hope so. Well, we love chatting with Norm. Stick around, guys. When we come back, we're going to tell you how to save your aching back and keep your kids safe, too. We're going to explain how electrical outlets can be moved up higher, which will do a world of good to your whole house. Believe us. Stick around. Pick up the telephone. Fix up your home sweet home by calling 888-MONEY-PIT. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEY-PIT, and we will give you a chance to win our great prize this hour. One caller who gets on the air with us and asks their home improvement question is going to win the Yumi and Lori Blanket. It's an eco-friendly blanket made of 100% organic cotton worth almost 200 bucks. So call us right now with your home improvement question at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. Yeah, pick up the phone, give us a call, let us know what you are working on, especially if you're thinking about doing any electrical upgrades around your house. You know, if you've got the electrician coming, why not put together a list of all the little doodads you want them to fix up around the house? This way you sort of save that service call fee over time and get everything tackled at once. And while you're thinking about improving the electrical systems in your home, think about the accessibility and how difficult it is for, you know, us adults who are moving on in the years and our backs are kind of aching. And when you go to use the outlet, You bend down, you kind of have to get behind the furniture, they're all the way on the floor, you're twisting. It's really not good for you, and you end up with a backache just trying to plug in your new lamp. So if you're getting the electrical work done around your house, have your electrician move your outlets or put your new outlets somewhere a bit higher off the floor. You know, not right where your kids and your pets can get to them. And it's going to make your life a whole lot easier, and it's going to stop your aching back every time you plug in that vacuum or whatever it is. And think about if you're putting in a new high-tech TV, especially with this digital change that's going on, why not have your outlet put a lot higher up the wall so that when you're putting on your new TV, you've got a good place to plug it in and you'll hide that cord without even letting anybody know where it's plugged into. Good tips. 888-666-3974. Who's next? Charles in Ohio, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? How how, uh, cost-effective would it be if you turn the TV off when you leave the room and turn the lights off, etc.? And those to name a just to name a couple of things that we sometimes leave on all day, half the night, and etc. Charles, do you have teenagers? <laughs> no, <laughs> these are adults. Oh no, because generally oh, it's the kids that are doing that. It's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, man. Absolutely. 
You know what, Charles? There's actually a good website, and the website is paystolivegreen.com. And if you go to the website for Pays to Live Green, there's a kilowatt per hour energy savings calculator that you have there. That's and it's, what I want. Absolutely. It is completely, you just plug in the information, how much watts your TV use, how many you leave it on. It gives you different watts per hour based on, you could just look up the appliance. It's all right there, and then just plug all the information, and it will tell you exactly how much it costs per hour. That's the resolution to my problem, and I can show it to the people that I have complained about. All Thank right, you. Sorry. I appreciate that. We gave you the ammo, huh? Absolutely. Thank all you. All right. Well, good, good luck, and let us know how you make out. Thanks Thank so much you. for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Now the people that uh, Charles was going to complain about is going to call us and say, does it really cost $100 a month to run my TV? Yeah, it does. <laughs> and then think about it. If you leave it on, you know, those the flat screens only have a certain amount of hours lifespan. Yeah. So if you're wasting it with nobody even watching it, suddenly you're going to have to spend all that money on the electricity and then the money to buy a new one. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Up next, we're going to talk about an old-fashioned way to heat your home. We're talking about wood. If you're thinking about heating your house with wood, we're going to have some tips to help you choose and install a wood stove next. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Call us right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. You'll get the answer to your home improvement question and an opportunity to win our prize this hour, which is this very cool Yumi and Lori blanket worth almost 200 bucks. If you don't want to call in, you can head on over to moneypit.com, click on Ask Tom and Leslie, and send us an email. All right, we've got one here from Bridget in Florida who writes, What kind of material can you use behind and under a wood stove? Is there an online supplier of such products for wood stoves? That would be a flame-resistant material, Bridget. Actually, when you install a wood stove, it's very, very critical to follow the manufacturer's guidelines because in order to get the UL certification, those have to be very, very carefully written. Now, typically, you need three feet of space uh, around a wood stove uh, between it and anything that's flammable. There is, however, a way to shorten that distance, and that is uh, by creating what's called a heat shield. And there are various materials that are available from stove suppliers that you can do this with. But essentially what happens is you create a second sort of shield that stands out about one inch from the wall. It's held on with some special fasteners and it, it allows the air to pass behind it and effect in, in effect causes sort of a cooling of that wall as the warm air rises and the cool air falls. So you can install the heat shield and that is typically made out of metal or it could be made out of a different type of fire resistant material. But the best thing to do is to get that advice from the wood stove supplier themselves. Pinky in Houston is looking for the uh, 411 on wood flooring. She wants to know the difference between hardwood, engineered hardwood, and wood laminate, price comparisons, and durability. Well, they're all pretty durable. Laminate is super durable and the least expensive. Hardwood, also good quality product. Engineered hardwood, however, is like uh, sort of like a hardwood plywood that's very, very suitable for wet and damp spaces. So, for example, Pinky, if you wanted to put hardwood floor in your basement, engineered hardwood would be the perfect choice for that. All right. I hope that clears it up. Enjoy your new floor, Pinky. 
Well, opulence and glamour are two words not normally associated with home improvement, but they <laughs> should be when it comes time to remodel your bathroom. Leslie's got some tips to help you do just that on today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Yeah, absolutely. You know, why not have an opulent and a glamorous space, especially in your bathroom? You want it to be a place where you can relax and sort of have the spa-like zen retreat. Whatever your style is, you can bump it up a notch to high glamour while you're relaxing in your bath. You do want it to be a place that you can go to and just adore. So when you're remodeling your bath, and this is a simple thing that you can do by just changing out a light fixture, why not add the high glamour of a gorgeous chandelier. You know, you can choose something that's simple and maybe an iron, wrought iron style one or an ornate crystal one. Whatever you pick, make sure when you put in your overhead fixture, make sure you put in a dimmer. A dimmer is fantastic because it can help you set the mood for a relaxing bath or bump up those lights for everything that you need to apply your makeup or get a good close shave. A dimmer is a fantastic addition to a bath and it only costs pennies to add. Do you use a dimmer to get a good close shave in the morning, Leslie? Well, my husband does. I don't. I'm not shaving my face. 888-666-3974. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Thank you so much for spending this hour with us. That number is available to you 24-7-365. So do call in your home improvement question whenever it happens to come to mind. We will call you back the next time we are in the studio. Hey, coming up next week on the Money Pit, it's the big shift. It's uh, coming up soon from analog to digital TV. If you've still got an analog TV, it ain't going to work until you go digital. We're going to have some info that you need to make a smooth transition, including a tip on how you can get a rebate on those digital boxes that are necessary to uh, help you make that switch. That's all coming up next week on the program. The show now continues online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Helping you build big dreams. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.